It's 8pm, Tuesday, November the 19th, 2019, and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Good evening and you're very welcome to tonight's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and on this evening's programme we travel to Northern Ireland to visit a very special event showcasing 80 food and drink suppliers from the region. I'll be talking to John Hood from Invest Northern Ireland, the development body responsible for coordinating the event as well as some of the award-winning food and drink producers showcasing their wares and one of the buyers visiting the Culloden Hotel where the event was held. But before we hear more, let me tell you how to get in touch with me here at The Best Possible Taste. You can make contact by emailing s.nunan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation, and I'm on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So any invitation to visit my home region is always very difficult to refuse. And when it involves attending a showcase of food and drink producers, it's the perfect opportunity to find out the latest successes in the culinary scene up north. The first person I spoke to when I arrived at the Culloden Hotel on the shores of Belfast Lock was John Hood, Director of the Food, Drink and Tourism Division with Invest Northern Ireland. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. So John, just explain to us what's happening here today in the Culloden Hotel. Well, Sharon, this is one of our largest showcase events of the year. Um, today we have over 80 local suppliers, many of whom have been winners in the Blast and the Heron, Irish Quality Food and Great Taste Awards. And the purpose really is to showcase Northern Ireland's food and drink in one place at one time. And the reason for that is we have invited and we have um, brought here over 40 buyers from across the UK and indeed across the world, as well as over 10 journalists. And they're really here to, to taste the produce, to meet the suppliers and the providers. And I'm confident to do business. Whenever it comes to food and drink in Northern Ireland, we're really punching above our weight because it's just amazing to see what we have to offer for such a small part of the world. Absolutely. There's no doubt we are an agricultural community and um, we do need to have that outlet. And, and over the last 10 years, we have seen tremendous growth in not only artisan, small and medium and large companies as well. And I think the reason for that, Sharon, is that... Um, you know, the pure natural quality of what we produce here is as good as anything else in the world. And we're finding that now as we increasingly look to export markets and to promote our produce around the world. Whenever you look at the export markets, dairy, for example, is something that's hugely important to an area such as the Emirates, Dubai, those sort of places. What products are being exported on a day-to-day basis from Northern Ireland all across the world? Well, there are a range of products, and and I suppose it it would be wrong to just say that we're focused on export markets. We're focused on markets outside Northern Ireland, and our primary market remains GB. So all the range of our products from beef, dairy, 
lamb, sheep, meat, uh, chicken, poultry will will go. The majority of it will go into the GB market. But it's important that we get markets around the world to help us, particularly in livestock, with carcass balance. There are parts of, of certain animals that we won't eat here and that we can get value for those in other markets, particularly markets such as Asia and, and the Far East, and we look to those. But as well as that, there are other products. You know, bakery goods are, are particularly popular. Uh, dairy, milk, uh, as you've touched on, is also popular. So. Our challenge really is to identify those markets outside of the European Union where we can maximise the value, either the value of the animal or the value of the product. And the way that you do that is because Invest Northern Ireland has people on the ground out in those markets. They are your eyes and ears. We, we have and we do, and it's very much a blended model. So they are in market and their job is to try and identify opportunities for us. And then they work very closely with the local team here, both the business development team and the client executive team to make sure we match up companies. Getting into export markets can be challenging, for, particularly for small and micro-sized companies, so we've got to make sure that the companies that we take out to those export markets have the capability and the capacity to deliver the products that we need. There are supply chain issues and at times there can be uh, export health certificate issues and all those need to be overcome. So just going into a market for the first time with no experience is a challenge and our job is to make sure that those companies are prepared, they understand the challenges, they're ready to face those challenges and ultimately that they're successful. So there's a lot of practical one-on-one support there on the doorstep for them? Very much so. Uh, and, and to be fair, the, the, the supplier or the buyers and, and the people that we identify in market recognise that as well. And again, ultimately with all food and drink, it comes down to the quality. You have to have a good quality product because there are many regions in the world that are selling similar types of product. And so you've got to have some standout and, and some differentiation. And that's why events such as this are good, because ultimately we can tell people about the product. We can even take the product to the market and let them taste it. But when they come into Northern Ireland and they meet the, the, the producers face to face, when they visit their factory, or the facilities and when they taste the product and hear the story all of a sudden it comes to life and I think it gives it a stronger proposition. Events like this are obviously very important then in getting that one-on-one experience for the producer to meet those key buyers. What are you hoping will be achieved here today? What are the results that you're hoping to see as a result of hosting the event? Well uh, One of the issues is that sales take a long time and some sales could be at the start of the process and others concluded, but ultimately the success of this event is pounds, shillings and pence to the processors and to the producers so that they will make sales here and sales that are only the start of their journey, sales that they can build on. There are other companies here that are already taking Northern Ireland produce and they're coming and will maybe see other suppliers and providers and so they will extend their range but ultimately it's all about the seal. And I think an event like this, it's not even just about those sales and meeting those suppliers. There's great networking opportunities with yeah. people who are just your neighbours in the same county or, or the, the county beside you that you can learn from. Yes, I, I think so. And that, and that, I think, remains one of the challenges in the Northern Ireland food and drink industry is to get that sense of collaboration. It's a little bit like the Irish rugby analogy. When the provinces all compete against each other, the rivalry is very fierce. 
But when you go into the international arena, everybody plays for Ireland. And it's the same, uh, to use that analogy, for food and drink. We can do so much more by working together, by learning from the shared experiences that we have. Uh, and, and I think that's going to be a key strength for us moving forward. Absolutely. And if there is a producer listening today who is maybe quite small, working in their own kitchen, and wants to grow that business, what advice do you have for them? Well, it's an interesting question because we have just signed an agreement with Food NI to to help uh, for them to focus on those small artisan companies that maybe haven't sold outside of of Northern Ireland, that have maybe been selling in their local farmer's market or their local farm shop in Delhi. And we're very fortunate here in that we have an export market right on our doorstep. So you can put your produce in a van and drive down to the Republic of Ireland and you're in an export market. And so we're working with Food NI to to help those companies sell both into the Republic of Ireland and into GB as the first step, because I think you've got to make that first step before you would then try to get into the the rest of the world. So there are a range of of events that we're working jointly with them where they will recruit these small companies. They'll also work to help the companies position their products and position themselves to be ready for uh, sales into those markets. And, And I think you've got to go incrementally, and so that would be the first step. Sell locally and then look to the Republic of Ireland or GB to sell outside Northern Ireland and then if you're successful there, decide where you want to go beyond that. And having had a quick look around this morning, it's clear that a number of the producers here today have awards, Great Taste Awards and Blossnerin Awards, which must be hugely helpful if you're trying to break the UK market, the GB market and Ireland. Absolutely. And as I say, it's all about the taste and it's all about the quality. And it's it's easy for me to say that because you would expect me to say that, you would expect the companies to say that, but these awards are really validation of the independence of the quality. So somebody independently has looked and tasted the product and said, yeah, that's a good quality product. So it's very much a a measure and it's very much a badge of honour that we can use to promote products outside of Northern Ireland. Well, I'm looking forward to meeting some of the the producers that are here today. Thanks so much for having me and for giving us an overview about what's happening. Thank you, Sharon, and I hope you have an enjoyable day and taste some of our great produce. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, John Hood, Director of the Food, Drink and Tourism Division with Invest Northern Ireland, gave us an overview of a recent showcase event that featured many of Northern Ireland's top food and drink producers. If you missed that and you're just tuning in now, you might want to catch The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. 
Now, you heard John saying that there were lots of buyers present in the Culloden Hotel for the showcase event. And one such buyer was Paul Hargreaves from Cotswold Fair, a speciality and fine food wholesale distributor which supplies independent retailers. Paul gave me an insight into what his business is all about and why he had flown into Northern Ireland, especially for the showcase. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. My name is Paul Hargreaves. I'm the CEO of Cotswold Fair, which is a specialty food wholesaler. I'm here to look for new, interesting products to bring to our market in the UK. And um, obviously, we look for products all over the UK, uh, particularly from Ireland, Scotland and Wales. Seems to be where the best products are made these days. Absolutely. And tell me about your current product range and where you source the products from and what the kind of the, the jewels are that you sell at the moment. Oh, goodness, we've got too many jewels to, to say here. But we deal with about 350 to 400 generally small artisan food producers. About 75 to 80% of those are from uh, the British Isles. And we sell to about 1,500 retailers all over the UK. So really we're looking for things that are different, that are going to make us stand out and make our customers stand out from their competition, which is generally the supermarkets. So products that aren't massively widely available in the supermarkets are great for independent retailers, which is our main customer base. And products that are on trend are also very good. Obviously, the the tricky thing is finding what what the trends are actually going to be for 2020 and 2021. But... um, yeah, we're we're open to anything. I don't come here with a, an agenda. I come here with an open mind and hopefully find things that are going to work for us in the future. It's interesting what you say there about trends. So what have the trends been over the past couple of years? Okay, so one of the largest trends probably has been veganism uh, and tied into that flexitarianism. It's a long word. Um, so people are eating less meat. I'm eating less meat. Uh, but they're looking for, when they do eat meat, they're looking for better quality meat. But then again, there are people who are totally vegan. So even things that have always been vegan now have vegan on the label, you've probably noticed. Um, but yes, interesting vegan products are definitely on the rise. Gluten-free is still very strong, continues to, to grow. Obviously, um, the gin bubble doesn't seem to have burst yet. And is there any sign of it slowing down and stopping or being replaced with something else? I've been asked that for the last three years and I've said, I think it's going to burst next year. And it hasn't yet, but I think it might burst next year. So, (laughs) for example, how many gins do you have now compared to maybe five years ago? I don't think we did any gins five years ago. Because alcohol for us wasn't such a big thing five years ago we do a lot more of it now we, d- we don't like to do too much of any one product because obviously the product starts to then compete with each other um off the top of my head i think we probably do seven or eight and that's gins. being selective very selective mm. but the interesting thing about gin is mainly it's bought on the bottle and not the quality of the gin inside 
interesting. The packaging is very important. The labeling. Absolutely. The because branding. really, it's a colourless liquid. That's really the only, and unless people are doing tastings in store, which obviously happens, but the only point of difference really for the people buying it for the first time is what the product looks like, isn't it? Not what it tastes like. And what about awards? I would imagine an award is very important then for encouraging the, the customer to make that purchase. Yes. Um, Not just in gin, but in no, all No, generally, yes. Yeah. So great taste awards are always a good thing to put on the product. I mean, they do give them away like confetti to some degree. So the the ones to look for are the kind of three star and two star, great taste awards in particular. And any, to be honest, any regional awards are always good for. So here in Ireland, we'd have the Blossom yeah, Air and Irish yes, Good Awards. Yes, be very any, any awards. And the thing is, the more awards you've got, put them on the packaging. It helps. It's a very competitive world out there. There's hundreds of niche brands, and anything like that helps the product stand out on the shelves. Yeah, there's no point hiding your light under a bush. You may as well <laughs> get it out yeah, there and, and really push yeah. those successes. You mentioned earlier about competing with the supermarkets and that you're looking for niche products. I find when I come across small artisan producers, they think that... The, the real success is whenever they're in the local supermarkets and they're all across the country. But in actual fact, what I have found is that is not always, the, like not all, one shoe doesn't fit all and that's not the right fit for all artisan producers. So do you find that you're nearly like an advisor in some shape or form whenever you come across some artisan producers thinking, you know, this product is perfect for my business, not for the supermarket. And I really have to, you nearly have to sell what you have to offer to them. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. And yes, we do behave like advisors a lot of the time. Um, I think the important thing is, now, 10 years ago, independent retailers, if a product was in the supermarkets, they wouldn't look at it. I think things have changed a bit because I think independent retailers now realise that some level of brand awareness is good for them as well because it helps the products move off the shelves. If there's something sitting in a a nice farm shop in in the UK and no one's ever heard of it, yes, it'll sell a bit, but it's not really going to, to move off the shelves. So... I think the important thing is rather than is it in the supermarkets or is it not, is it in the supermarkets at a price that's not too far away from the price it's at the independent retailers? That's what they really get annoyed about is when they have to sell a product for 20, 30, 40% more than the supermarkets. That just won't work. But if, say, you've got a range of 20 products and two of them are in the supermarkets but a bigger range is in the independents that's probably the perfect formula because there's some brand awareness but there's also some point of difference for the independent retailers who hopefully aren't selling it having to sell it for more than kind of seven or eight percent more than it is in the supermarkets and whenever you go out to find those products the awards that you mentioned must be very useful in terms of having a catalogue of what's out there but also events like today yeah events like this are perfect in in many ways because it saves us a lot of hard work it brings all the 
producers together in one room so I can probably do a week's work in a day by coming to an event like this and um, fortunate to get invited to quite a few of these things. So. Well listen I won't keep you because I know you're you're very keen to get in there and get a walk uh, around and good luck with it. I hope you find a few more gems to add to the current collection. Website is www.cotswoldfair.co.uk I'm sure we will. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and for tonight's programme we are in Northern Ireland to meet some of the region's award-winning food and drink producers at a showcase event hosted by Invest Northern Ireland. Just before the break, Paul Hargreaves from Cotswold Fair, a speciality and fine food wholesale distributor which supplies independent retailers, gave us an insight into what his business does and why he had flown into Northern Ireland especially for the showcase event. If you're just tuning in now, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. So earlier in the programme, we met... John Hood, Director of the Food, Drink and Tourism Division with Invest Northern Ireland. And John gave us an overview of the food and drink scene in the region and told us about the showcase event that featured many of Northern Ireland's best food and drink producers. And you heard John saying at the end of his interview that he hoped I would get the opportunity to taste some great Northern Ireland produce on the day. And that I certainly did. I met a number of producers and we're going to hear now from Suki Tea, Whitewater Brewery and Burren Balsamics. Let's have a listen. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Hi, my name's Oscar Woolley and I'm the co-founder of Suki Tea. We've been in business for 15 years, based in Belfast, and we supply really good quality tea to cafes and people's homes. Now, I was very surprised when you told me, Oscar, that you would have an ingredient list of 170 different ingredients from all over the world. Tell us about sourcing those. That's a, that's a big list to manage, and that's not 170 um, suppliers. You know, we've got about 40 suppliers, but um, it, it all comes down to taste. You know, once we've tasted, uh, then we'll contract and, and then have our supply brought into Belfast and all the ingredients are brought to the Falls Road, where our factory is, well, on the peace line between the Falls and the Shankill Road, and we blend everything there. So whenever we talk about all those ingredients, mm-hmm. whenever it comes to sourcing them, do you have set criteria? Yeah, we have a very strict, we've always had a very strict sourcing policy. You know, we always wanted to buy fair trade and organic where we could. Um, I mean, there's 170 ingredients from 40 suppliers and I don't know how many countries. Um, so it's, a, it's quite a big job to manage. One of the big cha- uh, challenges that we faced recently was about the plastic content in tea bags and packaging. So we've completely moved to 100% plastic free on all of our packaging. Um, so, you know, although the tea's accredited, now we can kind of very proudly say so is our packaging. 
sustainability is very important to you by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we just we do business how we always wanted to. You know, it's, we we started as we always wanted to, and I think I think it comes down to the personal values of the people in the business. And whenever you're blending, then is it a real system of experimentation? Yeah, we have. Uh, well, we get inspiration from all over the place. So it could be a customer, or it could be one of the staff members. We've got about ten teas on the go at any time, and one or two of those will make it to the final stages and actually kind of get out. But it's just about it's about keeping innovation lit and uh, and kind of keeping the creativity of the business. Uh, at the forefront of what we do. And having had a look at your stand then, you're very innovative because you've moved on from teas, like those are your core products, but Mm -hmm. you do a lot of other products now. Yeah, I mean, the the key uh, purchasing decisions for people who like speciality tea are wellness, premium, like a nice premium product, kind of upgrading from from maybe like a standard everyday offer. And, um, and variety. So we've always had the variety and we've got a premium product. But for wellness, we thought we, you know, it's, it's, a, it's quite a gray area for tea. We thought uh, the adult soft drink would, that market would, would work. So we made a sparkling tea. We've got two flavors, peach and, uh, peach and black tea and white tea and elderflower. And it's, uh, yeah, it's going really well. We, we had a summer launch, and we're just about to place a new order for, for the rest of next year. And they go really well, then, with an afternoon tea experience. Yeah, we thought it might be for the kind of ready-to-go, and that's, that's taken off really well, just kind of grab-and-go uh, alternative to sugary drinks, because these are, these are nice, clean uh, drinks. But actually, the hotel market's taking it on as well. It's like an alternative for the afternoon tea for people who don't want to have the, the drink option. Your products are widely available in Northern Ireland. What about beyond that? Are you involved in the export market? Uh, we are. Um, we have been for, for a good while. So the furthest Suki teas sold is Japan, and there's, but there's 20 other countries that it's available in, and you know, kind of England, Scotland, Wales, and all all over the island of Ireland. Um, so that keeps us very busy. Challenges for the future then? Where do you see the business going in the next five to ten years? We've just had a we've had a rebrand, and that's you know it's nice to kind of draw a line under that and move and move. You know we just brought it up to date a bit. Because there's a lot of work goes into something yeah, there like is. that. Yeah, it's yeah. Packaging, website, yeah. every, there's so many different elements. Yeah, so head head down for a bit. Um, there's a property move. We've got some uh, blending equipment on the way. So there's always and and just keep it keeping it creative and innovative, and. Uh, we we're in 20 countries. We've got another five that we're talking to, so that's going to keep us busy. We're widely available in Northern Ireland at most of the farm shop delis, but um, majority of people would buy online. And we've got a very exciting uh, advent calendar launching for, for this year. Uh, 24 teas, loads of them are new. Um, so that's an exciting project for us. But we're also available in St. George's Markets every weekend. And the web address is suki-t.com. Well, great to talk to you today and best of luck for the future. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Hi, my name's Carrie Sloan from Whitewater Brewery. Whitewater Brewery has been going since the 90s, so you must be one of the first craft breweries in Northern Ireland, if not the whole of Ireland. Yes, we were. We were one of the, the first to start up in um, 1996. Um, so back then, um, craft beers weren't widely available in the, in the 90s. And it was your husband, Bernard, who is an engineer that started the company. Was it kind of like a bit of a hobby at the start? 
Yeah, it, it, we kind of fell into it by mistake or default, I suppose, really. Yes, Bernard's a chemical engineer um, and went to England, as a lot of young people did. We both went to England then um, for employment um, and got involved in the engineering business in England. Are you an engineer as well? No, no. I've actually um, had a business before, um, so I've been self-employed since I left school. So, yeah. But... We both went, moved to England and um, Bernard got asked to do a project, engineering project, uh, in a brewery uh, before he was in the dairy industry. And the processes are quite similar. You heat and cool and pump and a lot of things are quite similar. But the actual product, obviously, beers a lot more exciting than milk is sometimes. <laughs> well, the company has grown substantially since the 90s and you've invested a lot of money, for example, you have a new state-of-the-art facility. So tell us about what the facility is like now compared to those early days. Oh my goodness, like chalk and cheese. Um, yes, we set up on the family farm, which was at, at the time was amazing. Bernard's uh, father said there's a, a shed, it used to be an old potato shed, and we did an application to farm diversification and changed it into a microbrewery. So you can imagine it's set on a, on a farm, a working farm. Um, so, it, you know, inside was, was kept as a production area and, um, and clean and, and sterile as everything, but still it was on a farm. Compared to now, is is so much different for not only for us to work in, um, for our staff to work in, but for visitors to come in and visit as well. It, it makes such a difference to us. So we'll talk about the visitor experience in in a minute, but before that, tell me a bit more about the different products you actually brew there, because you've had really amazing success with some of them. Yeah, we have, um, thankfully. Now, I think but probably become Bernard, um, coming from his engineering background, um, he's a stickler for for hygiene and for doing things right which that's the way it should be and that is really has been our mainstay since the day and hour we started is quality and that's a huge word that whitewater is extremely proud of is quality um so we make you know about 14 15 different varieties now obviously when we started out we didn't have that many um, but through the years we've progressed and a lot of our beers have been very successful throughout the years, picking up awards um, in the Great Taste Awards, um, one, two stars before, um, and in different um, competitions you know, around the world. But lately um, we seem to be just have been picking up um, quite a lot of awards, which is amazing for us and we are so proud. I mean, this year alone we won the um, interna- International Beer um, Competition in Frankfurt. Um, we also won um, the Great Taste Awards for Northern Ireland, which is just the pinnacle. Um, it's, it's basically like the food and drinks industry, um, it's the, like the Oscars of the food and drink industry. It was the Golden Fork, was it? Golden Fork, yes. So it's the best product in the best whole of Northern Ireland. product in Northern Ireland. And tell us the name of that particular beer that won that award. That's Creme de la Kremlin. It's a 10.5% imperial stout. It's strong. It is. But it was it was brewed um, as an imperial stout, which is a, a style of beer, um, which means they're usually higher in alcohol. Um, and into that we put um, vanilla um, uh, vanilla pods, we put um, rum and um, maple syrup um, and then it was aged for three months in whiskey barrels 
so I mean it's a very long process to get this beer and it's a very special special beer and <clears throat> to be actually recognized by the best in the industry as so was phenomenal for us. Uh, this is the first time that a um, beer has ever won a Golden Fork Award, ever. I mean, in that in itself, I mean, many, many food products have won uh, previously, um, but for the first time for a beer to actually get that is amazing because it's not the easiest to get um, to get forward. There's huge competition there, so winning an award of that nature, what does it mean to you and your business? It just gives us that pat on the back, I suppose. For us, it's that it's that recognition that what we're doing is good. I mean, we love our beers. We're passionate about what we do. We've been doing it for 23 years, and we're as passionate now as we were when we started. Um, but it's just that recognition to be able to say, you know, we did, we won. Let alone us, you know, small company from Northern Ireland. And does it help you get your foot in the door when you're talking to buyers or exporting, for example, the, the beers are available outside Northern Ireland? They are. Uh, um, well, I hope so. I really do hope so. As I say, it's quite early. Um, well, I mean, it's not long since we got the award, so it's. Um, we're hoping that's going to really be a door opener. I think that's probably one of the hardest things to do is, is we believe in our product but there's many, many, many products out there and it's to get through that door initially. So if you have something that has shows the beer has got credit, it's got, it's got an award with an accolade as high as this, it gives the buyers confidence to think, well, do you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll see what this brewery can do. Um, we have done what we've done for the last 23 years and we've always tried to push the boundary and keep moving forward and innovate and be first to market if we can and try things that are different. That's what's kind of kept us going and kept us you know, still in the game after this length of time. Because you imagine starting back in 96 wasn't an easy road for, for a microbrewery in Northern Ireland. So to, um, we were the first in Northern Ireland to put in a bottling line, an independent bottling line. We were the first in Northern Ireland to put an independent canning line in so we can can our own product on site. Um, so we've always tried to push those innovations and that's what we'll continue to do. I love the way it's all we, we, we and you work with your husband mm-hmm. and like so many businesses in Northern Ireland and Ireland, they are family related. So it's husband, wives, teams working together, mm-hmm. which I would imagine is fairly challenging at times. Um, that's an understatement, yes. But not only Bernard and I, I mean, we do work very well together, but it's not only us, it's our team. And I cannot take any credit, or Bernard and I can't take any credit apart from the people that are around us. We have a very small team that work in Whitewater. Um, I think there's nine of us in total. But um, a few have come recently as we've taken on a few new employers. But basically, the core team have been there since day one, that have been with us from the start and know this business and are as passionate about this business as we are. And that makes such a difference because it's their business as much as it's our business. Well, it's so lovely to meet you. I'm looking forward to tasting this very strong beer to to find out how good it is for myself. And I hope you enjoy today and you get some really good contacts out of it. If you'd like to find any more information about Whitewater and our products, please visit our website on www.whitewaterbrewery.com. Fantastic. Well, listen, enjoy the day. Thank you very much. 
So Richard, congratulations on your success at Blossnair and this year. I did not realise that Burren Balsamics was only five years old. I thought the company was established longer than that. You've really gone from strength to strength in such a short space of time. Yes, no, we started five years ago when my daughter bought a bottle of uh, balsamic blueberry back from university in England. And my wife and my daughter, they, they got through the bottle very quickly. And then my wife thought, well, she did a bit of cooking, whether we could uh, start with the different products using real fruit. And we started with brambury apple because it was, there was an orchard behind the house. And there we, we then grew the business, trying different flavors. We started off doing a lot of local shows. Um, and then we went down south. We, we won an Irish, Times, an Irish Times Award for RDS in Dublin. And that was the first big show we did. We did. Um, no, it's just gone from strength to strength. And you mentioned there about sourcing the apples from the orchard at your own place. So the sourcing of ingredients is very important to you. And you do try to use ingredients from Northern Ireland. Yes, we do. We use, I mean, the, the garlic in the white in the white garlic balsamic that comes from County Fermanagh. Um, yeah, we we try and use wherever we can. The oranges come. No, they come. They bring them in from 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 England. But the other ones, yeah, all of the um, the onions and everything. Yes, it's all and raspberries is all local products. And you have a zero waste policy. So the onions that are used for making the vinegars, then you, you do something else with them. Yes, after. we do. For instance, we had a because um, we used to have a small. We had a, we have a small holding, and there was a muck heap for putting the waste waste in. Uh, and then the horses went, so then we had no muck heap. So I looked at it, and for instance, the brambury apple, when the process is complete, we use the, um, the, the apples, the waste, and we make it into chutney with the blood orange and cardamom. With the oranges, we make into marmalade, and like you said, the roast onion is made into onion jar. Now, just looking at the range that you have here and the beautiful packaging, gorgeous-looking gifts now coming up to Christmas. But tell me about the white balsamic vinegars. Is that quite an unusual product? Yes, I, we didn't really know about the white balsamic till my, my wife went out to Medina in Italy. Uh, her and Bob went out there to look at the, to, to meet the people where we get the product, the balsamic vinegar from, and they introduced us to the white condiment. Um, so we started that probably 18 months ago. It's um, it's very interesting. It's you, you, it's not as sharp as as the black balsamic, um, but it has got some it's got some fantastic flavours using here. Like for instance, the truffle, the beetroot and cocoa nib, and we have about five or six, and it's been very successful. And I know from personal use that it's not just for salads. You can actually add some of them to alcohol, and it's very nice. Yes, you can add the um, blood orange and cardamom. We were doing a BBC Good Food event in England about uh, yeah, about 18 months ago. Uh, it was the first place we had it on, and there was a gin stand next to us, and they took some to put in the gin. We also have uh, strawberry and mint. Um, uh, balsamic white balsamic which if you put on the bottom of a glass and put something uh, sparkling on top of it sparkling water or a bit of prosecco it's very popular during the summer months sounds delicious now you're making me very thirsty what are you hoping to get out of the showcase today just contacts i mean i've spoken to two people so far who are interested in the product 
for the restaurant, the chef side of it. And we're doing that at the moment. We're providing now um, the product in one liter, two liter or five liter. And the chefs, that's very popular with the chefs. Bob McDonald, who, who works with Susie, he's talking to a lot of chefs and that's what our objective is, to get it out there more. We're doing the shows, we're doing a bit of retail, but it's good to get to see it on the menu. Coming up to Christmas, it's very popular, as, as you said, in the, for the gift market. So um, we have an online service, um, baronbalsamics.com. If anyone's interested, they can order online. Listen, it's great to see you here today, and thanks so much for talking to me. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Great to meet so many of Northern Ireland's top food producers and I'd like to say a special word of thanks to Invest Northern Ireland's Jane Guiney for the invitation to the event and a huge thank you to Shauna McGill who looked after me so well and set up the interviews with tonight's guests. Shauna is an amazing ambassador for Northern Ireland Food and Drink and is great on social media so be sure to follow her at LoveNIFood on Twitter and Instagram and that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Thanks for listening and to my guests John Hood Paul Hargreaves, Oscar Woolley, Kerry Sloan and Richard Hamilton Stubber. Don't forget, Best Possible Taste is repeated on Wednesday mornings and podcasts are online on my website, SharonNoonan.com, as well as iTunes and the podcast app. I'll be back next week, so until then, bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. To get in touch with the best possible taste, email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.